Many years ago, I read a story at the doctor's office in a magazine that made me think about my priorities and my life, so I stole it. But it was for the glory of God, right? Probably no one was going to read it anyway. I saved that story in my Advent file because it speaks so mightily about this season. I've used the story during Advent retreats because it's worth repeating this morning. I'm going to say it again. That is, many years ago, a man dressed in blue jeans, a long sleeve t-shirt, and a baseball cap carrying a violin case strolled into a metro station at L'Enfant Plaza in Washington, D.C. Once inside, he positioned himself opposite a newsstand by a trash can, put his violin case down, opened it up, pulled out the violin, and put a few dollars inside the open case as a marketing tool. And at 7.51 a.m., he began a 43-minute concert. During those 43 minutes, 1,097 people passed the violinist, and of the 1,097 people, nine people stopped. 27 gave the musician tips totaling $32. If he had played for an hour, perhaps he would have picked up another 20 bucks, which extrapolated would mean that the musician made $50 an hour. That doesn't seem so bad. Well, not except when you consider that the performer was Joshua Bell, graduated from IU, one of the world's finest violin, violinists who routinely fills the world's greatest concert halls. Not bad, except that Mr. Bell played six pieces, one of which was called Sharon from Johann Sebastian Box Number 2 in D minor, considered the most difficult piece for a violinist to master. 14 minutes of, quote, a single succinct musical progression repeated in dozens of variations to create a dauntingly complex architecture of sound. Yikes, I don't even know what that means, but it sounds awfully, awfully difficult. It's not just one of the greatest pieces of music ever written, Bell says, but one of the greatest achievements of human history. He also played Schubert's Ave Maria. And oh yeah, did I mention that he did all of this on a Stradivarius worth $3.5 million. Not one person clapped at the end of the six pieces. Over 1,075 people didn't acknowledge his existence. Interestingly, every child who heard him play stopped and was whisked away by a parent. There's a definite message in that, I think. The concert was an experiment sponsored by the Washington Post. The author that described it wrote a haunting conclusion. That is, there is a loss of the appreciation of beauty in the modern world. People still have the capacity to understand beauty, but beauty has become irrelevant to them because of our priorities. They've changed. If the surge of modern life so overpowers us that we can be so oblivious to a world-class musician playing some of the best music ever written, then what else are we missing? Yeah, what else are we missing? That ending phrase haunts me. Perhaps the question on this first Sunday of Advent should be, what, who else are we missing? The idea of the lost sense of beauty reminded me of one of my favorite quotes from St. Augustine about the delayed awareness and conversion to God, who he called simply beauty. Late have I loved you, beauty so old and so new. Late have I loved you. 
And see, you were within me, and I was in the external world and sought you there. And in my unlovely state, I plunged into the lovely things that you created, which you made. You were with me, and I was not with you. I was restless, O Lord, until I rested in you. Too often in our busy world, we miss the beauty of God. We're too busy to witness beautiful things like a sunset or a mountain range. Often we are so distracted by problems to notice the beauty found in our families, among our friends. It often follows then that we miss the beauty of things like the Mass, the sacraments, our prayer life, meditation, beauty of art. They aren't efficient in moving us toward worldly success, you know. In short, we're often too busy for God, who is like Joshua Bell, the famous violinist who stands by the roadside of our busy lives, vying for our attention and our love. I think this is at the heart of the Advent season that we begin today. The vision of life that Advent gives us is twofold. It looks back to the first coming of Christ at Bethlehem, and it looks to the future where Christ will come again. And in the interval between these two events, we find meaning for our lives as Christians. The church reminds us that when Christ left this earth, he did not abandon us. He remains with us in spirit, the church, the sacraments, the scriptures, and we can find him in one another. He lives in community with us and keeps his vision of life before us. But when Christ comes again, his presence will no longer be hidden behind the signs and symbols of the liturgy of the works of Scripture. His presence among us will be revealed in all its fullness, a presence that will never end, a presence that will be perfect, a presence that will be beautiful. This is the greater significance of Advent. In these next few weeks, we take in the sweeping panorama of time from Christ's birth to his second coming. And the season of Advent brings us to the magnificent vision of life and hope for the future given to us by Christ. If we simply take the time to notice and not be distracted by worldly things to take it all in. Advent is also the season to reorder our lives to Christ and to repent from our wayward priorities. Advent is our time to become more involved, more caught up in the meaning and the possibilities of life as a Roman Catholic. And we are charged today to do so quickly. As St. Paul reminds us, the night is advanced, the day is at hand. Let us throw off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us conduct ourselves properly as in the day, not in orgies or drunkenness, not in promiscuity and lust, not in rivalry and jealousy. In other words, Advent is the season to discover why living a good and holy life is important, is fulfilling, and makes us most happy. Because the Lord will come again to judge the living and the dead at an hour we do not expect. And when he comes to judge our lives, the question is, will he be pleased with the way we have lived them or not?